welcome to Top of the Tailgate Podcast. Welcome into Top of the Tailgate Podcast. This is Noah here with Dalton, James, and Scotty. It was a crazy weekend. We had a lot of great college football matchups, and I wanted to recap those real fast just to go over what we talked about last week and how they ended up turning out. First off, we had the Capital One Orange Bowl. That was on Friday. We had Tennessee versus Clemson. Uh, it couldn't have been more wrong here on what my expectation was. Cade Klubnick, the QB for Clemson, looked young and not as sharp as expected. He'll be great, but this game was about the emergence of Joe Milton. Tennessee QB looked sharp, slings the ball 60 yards with the flick of a wrist, and Tennessee took control early and never really looked back. It was uh, certainly an orange bowl, as one might say, but uh, <laughs> uh, Joe Milton didn't really surprise me during this game. He, uh, uh, Once Hendon Hooker went out against South Carolina, he was able to throw those 60-yard bombs like with the flick of the wrist, so I wasn't too surprised about this um, uh, final, and I was kind of happy the Dabo Sweeney lose because that guy is the worst person ever. <laughs> All right. So you, you got to tell me why he's the worst person ever. I think he's cringy, but uh, he said um, when NIL was about to come out, he said once they, <laughs> I'm not getting to that one yet, but once they uh, came out with that, they would pay college players that he would retire and not be in college football anymore and looks and he is. And then he said uh, that uh, we built the program on God's image and likeness. That was pretty rough. That one was very grand. Yeah. yeah. And he's just, he's just, I don't like him. Okay. Fair enough. I, I didn't know if you had some evidence that was hard, hard fact, fact backed, you know. But no, like, you know. Fair enough. Nothing crazy, but no. definitely a cringy guy. On to the All-State Sugar Bowl. We had Alabama versus Kansas State. I definitely expected a little better of a game here, and it looked like Kansas State was going to give them a run for their money, but um, Alabama definitely made their best argument possible that they, too, d- deserve to be in the college football playoff. Uh, Kansas State started off hot, went up 10 nothing, but that was all for their success on the day. Uh, Alabama steamrolled K-State on their way to a decisive victory. Um, doesn't say anything negative to me about K-State. I think they, they fought hard and they had a great year, but they were just outmatched today. Let's get on to the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. We had Tulane versus USC. To me, this was my favorite result of the week. Tulane, um, they came from being a 2-10 and 10 team last year, and they finished the year 12-2 and two this year. That's the biggest turnaround by a um, D1 FBS school ever. So um, congrats to Tulane for that. What a way to finish the season. Um, also, it was a crazy comeback victory where Tulane ran for over 300 yards. And to put the cherry on top, this victory was over USC and the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. On to the Rose Bowl, we had Penn State versus Utah. Um, this one honestly went exactly as I predicted. Uh, Penn State has a very strong defense, and it proved to be too much for U- Utah's offense to handle. Uh, they weren't able to hit those big plays like they have been able to all year. And um, honestly, Penn State's offense looked well-powered, too, and a little bit too much for Utah. I think they were just too much of the team. My prediction is that if Cam Rising doesn't get hurt like he did last year, then uh, Utah would have won this game and last year's game. You think so? Yep. Yeah, I mean, they didn't look too too outmatched. It looked like they were a player or two short, in my opinion. The drive that he got hurt on, they were driving very well, and they scored on the previous uh, drive. So I think that they would have kept that momentum going, and they would have won. Yeah. Well, they're done this year. Uh, <laughs> on to the, <laughs> 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 the VRBO Fiesta Bowl. We had TCU versus Michigan. This is the game to get into the national championship. Uh, TCU handled Michigan. Um, they 
honestly, they, they looked better on all sides of the ball. Uh, they showed that their resume is sparkling for a reason and that they are very deserving of their spot in the national championship game. Um, excited to see them face off against Georgia. I wouldn't say that they handled Michigan. They got off to a hot start, then Michigan came back, and then TCU got the momentum again, then Michigan got it back until they fucked up on that fourth and fourth down. But I wouldn't say they handled them. Good yeah, game, I guess I got carried away with the 14-0 start, but they definitely they, – they showed that they belong here. Last but not least, we had the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl with Ohio State and Georgia facing off. Uh, this one, I think everybody in the country thought Ohio State was going to pull through with this huge upset. They were up on them big, and somehow, some way, Georgia clawed their way back and showed resilience and ended up winning this one at the buzzer. Wasn't this one off a missed field goal by Ohio State? Missed is an understatement. <laughs> it looked like you were on Madden and you put it all the way to the left, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was rough. Uh, I guess the pressure got to him, but. I think the deserving team is in the college football final now. I think Georgia is a better team than Ohio State. They, did, they might not have played like it all game last weekend, but I do think they deserve to be in that spot more so than Ohio State does. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and they have a better shot. I think TCU – well, we'll talk more about the matchup next podcast. I don't, I don't want to get into it too much now. All right, so that's going to do it for college football. Can't wait to see what happens next week. Um, on to topic number two, what teams have clinched a playoff spot in the NFL and who helped their odds in week 17? So last week we talked a little bit about a few teams that really needed to step their game up and get a win last week to be able to um, clinch their spot in the playoffs or at least give themselves a fighting chance. Honestly, the controversy, the, the, the drama and everything, I thought it would be close to over this week. It's not even close. There's way more drama this week. There's more teams fighting for playoff spots. But people kept their names still in it. So we had the Dolphins and the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots pulled out the win here, but both teams are still a toss-up on if they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, we have to wait and see which 8-8 eight and eight team clinches the spot next week. I looked up the odds earlier, and I think it was like 37% for the Patriots to make it and 41 for the Dolphins, even though the Patriots pulled this one out. Kind of crazy that they both still have a chance. I don't want to see the Patriots in the playoffs. No? The Patriots fan doesn't want to? No. I want us to miss the playoffs so we have a reason to fire Matt Patricia and I just would rather see a team like the Chargers make it. Matt Patricia's your OC, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean I already saw something about the owner not liking what the offense is doing, so I'm pretty sure that writing's on the wall. Yeah. I just got to agree with you, man. Like I don't Patriots don't make for good football to watch. I would much rather see a very explosive Chargers team get there where they have the momentum on their side, it can actually do something. They're a dangerous team in the playoffs. Patriots getting in there just feels like a stepping stool for another team to get to a bigger game. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I don't think the Patriots win a game if they make it. I definitely could see the, the Dolphins. And so if they get on a hot streak at the right time, I think they could potentially be dangerous in the playoffs. I like their chances better than I do the Patriots. With who at quarterback? I honestly yeah, like them. With, the... if, they have, if they have Teddy B, I'm okay with them. If they have Teddy B, or I mean, I don't think Tua's going to be back this year. I really don't. So I'm kind of writing that one off. Even if he does, it's just a good thing happening. But if Teddy B's there, I think I think they have a fighting chance more so than the Patriots do. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I agree with that. I was watching this past game, and I feel like they were almost scared to let Teddy throw the ball. Like they were trying to run more, which I understand with a backup quarterback. But I thought he had a little more potential to unlock the offense deeper. And uh, just get things going. It looked like they were just handicapped the whole game. I mean, they might have been a little bit 
more on the safe side this week since it was his first week starting. He's still getting that chemistry established with the receivers. I thought he was stepping into the role and he was growing confidence as it went. Um, but either way, I don't think we're expecting to see Teddy Bridgewater rest of the year. Um, he's got a dislocated pinky, still can't throw a football as of today, and he's listed as doubtful for Week 18. So if they have to start, didn't they just sign Mike Glennon? Did they? Was it them that just signed Mike Glennon? I mean, regardless, whoever signed Mike Glennon, way to find a player that should have retired years ago. Yes, Dolphins signed Mike Glennon. Um, with Teddy Bridger, Bridgewater being injured. So if Mike Glennon's coming off the bench, then everything that I just said, just take it back. Um, if they can't, if they don't have one of their top two quarterbacks handy, then it might be, it might be a long game uh, if they do make the playoffs. But the next matchup that was interesting, we had the Giants versus the Colts. This one wasn't really much to watch, and the Giants did what they were supposed to do. They came out and dominated on all sides of the football. Um, they clinched a playoff berth with this win. And they'll now be the sixth seed in the, in the NFC. What do you guys see the um, the Giants doing in the playoffs? You think they're one and done, or you think they they get a couple wins? One and done. Yeah, I kind of like what Daniel Jones is doing over there. I'm gonna see who they're projected to go up against with the playoff picture right now. Um, I don't even need to see that. To me, they're one and done. I mean, teams have been great. Daniel Jones has looked a lot better, but I just don't think they have the talent. If they had a single recognizable receiver, then maybe. But I couldn't tell you who's playing receiver for that team. Yeah, I can't believe they, they uh, got rid of Kadarius Tony when they had him. He hasn't done much for the Chiefs anyways, but he I hasn't done a whole though, lot. He looks better on that offense. Yeah, I will say, though, I mean, as far as games go, take it with a grain of salt because it is the Colts. This is a struggling team on the way out that just need to be put down. But this was one of Daniel Jones' most offensive games as a passer. He finished with a 79 completion percentage, but if you were to take all the drop passes, the spikes, the throwaways, you know, the ones that don't actually count, he was 87%. Mm. And 91 I'm... yards rushing, two touchdowns, and six of those were actually design carries. Like it's Let's not just did... discredit 91 yards rushing from Daniel Jones. That, that, like we can't just skip past that. That's a lot of yards for any That's... quarterback. If, if, Jay, if Justin Field, When Justin Fields does that, we rave about him. You know, but Daniel Jones, it kind of just goes under the radar, I think. How many yards does he have on the year? Who, White Lightning? White Lightning, baby. 708 rushing yards this year as a, a pocket-passing quarterback. I don't know. That's pretty impressive. I like what they have going on for the future. And if I had to take the over-under on one playoff win, I'm going to take the – or on .5, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to say they get one playoff win. It all depends where they sneak in. Right now they're at that sixth spot. Um, it just kind of all depends on who they're playing. Yeah, I mean, if they go against an Eagles team or one of those powerhouses that are in the top three to four seeds, then you know it might be <laughs> might be one and done for them. But I don't know if they can if they can swing it and play somebody like I mean, I like I love I love the Bucks, but if they were to play the Bucks, I'm not sure if I'm confident in the Bucks winning on that one. Well, though either yeah, the Bucks will play the Cowboys unless like some crazy scenario happens where you know the Eagles fall down and. Um, they would fall into that spot. The Bucks will be the Cowboys, which leaves the 49ers and the Giants, which makes me think, you know, Daniel uh, Jones had a good run. Yeah, yeah. If it, if it ends up being 49ers-Giants, then you're right. That defense is too much. And Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, yeah. <laughs> we could do a whole segment on him. 
But we had the Lions-Bears game next. Lions win in dramatic fashion. Uh, their playoff hopes are still a question mark, but they sent their ticket in and definitely showed why they could potentially be a playoff team this year. It's all going to depend on uh, what happens on this next matchup. They they control their own destiny, but they need a little bit of help too. Uh, what do you got? If the Lions, I know this is just a hypothetical, but if the Lions and the Giants matched up in the playoffs, who got who would you guys have taken it? I think I'd take Lions confidently. It depends on which Lions team you're getting, because I feel like they are very hot and cold this year. Um, like again, they I mean this is kind of a hollow game because they handled the Bears. Justin Fields was not at all effective in the past game. Um so I don't I, – it's hard to say, honestly. It just all full depends on how explosive that offense is because the defense is going to give up points. Yeah, they're definitely going to give up too many points. I, I compare this Lions team to kind of how the Vikings are playing. You know, they're high-powered offense, but their, their defense just can't stop anything. Next up, we had the Jets versus Seahawks. And uh, I thought this one was going to be a really, really close one, but the Seahawks handled it pretty well. Uh, they win this one to keep their playoff hopes alive. Jets are now eliminated from playoff contention. Yeah, they started off hot early. Kenneth Walker taking it to the crib right off the start. I mean, he had 133 yards and only 23 carries for that day. I mean, he's really making a case for offensive rookie of the year, and it's it's hard to say that he's not because he's losing out very good defenses. Yeah, no, he looks like a vetted guy back there. He looks really, really good. And then we had the Vikings and Packers game. This one, this one might have been a shocker of the week for a lot of people. Vikings and Packers. I had the Packers winning, um, but I didn't have them winning like this. They they win in a blowout over the Vikings. Um, definitely against all odds there, but they control their own destiny at this point. If they win next week, they're in the playoffs. I mean, if you would have asked me if they were making the playoffs five weeks ago, I would have laughed at you and said, fuck off. But somehow Aaron Rodgers found a way. I don't know if it's his ayahuasca or what, but hey, something's carrying them along. We did say last week, I mean, I feel like I say it on a week-to-week basis at this point, that the Vikings can't cover anything past 10 yards. Their biggest down point is their their passing defense. It is one of the worst in the league. And Green Bay, who's pretty much identified all year as a run team, you know, you run first to play action like a lot of teams do. And then they changed their identity two weeks ago, and then now I mean, they've kind of reflected that again this week where they're, they're passing on second down to set up for the run on the third down. Like, it's, it's incredible what they were able to do. They were pulling everybody out the box by the third quarter is whenever they started giving Aaron Jones his fifth carry. He ended up with 111 yards on 14 attempts. That's it. Yeah. Aaron, I will say that Aaron Jones, whenever he's given the ability to close out a game, very, very seldom does he does he squander that opportunity. Yeah, the, but- the most impressive portion of that wasn't what Rodgers was able to do on offense. It was how well-skilled – that defensive coordinator just shut that Vikings offense that finds ways to win. Yeah, and we got we to gotta have a little segment on Jair Alexander. He said it was a fluke the first week where um, where Jay Jettas went off for, what, 150 yards and I think two touchdowns. But this week, I mean, Jay Jettas ended up with one catch for 15 yards. I, don't, I can't say that it was all because of Jair Alexander, but, I mean, stats don't lie. Now, uh, which I do have a little bit of stats to back this up. Um, Jai, uh, and I'm not saying anything to take away from Jair because he had probably the best game this year against Justin Jefferson. But 
That being said, they had a five-man box 58% of the game. Even when it was a three-by-one, the safety one high was still shaded to Justin Jefferson's side 89% of the game. They schemed one of the best NFL players out of the game for one catch of 15 yards. Like, again, it all starts with Jair and the roster and how frustrated he was able to get uh, Justin in his head. But at the end of the day, like, that is an incredible defensive scheme to be able to take that away from them. Yeah, and it goes back to coaching. So uh, can I just throw one thing out there? And uh, I just want to see what your opinion is on it now that one of these games did happen. For sure. What's up? This game is kind of the reason to me that a receiver like Justin Jefferson would never win the MVP. Because, yes, he's amazing on a play-by-play basis, but you can scheme him out of the game. It's hard. Don't get me wrong, it's hard, but it can be done. And that's what the Packers showed this week. Well, so, I me, mean. Let me answer your question with another question. Who's, <laughs> who are, who's winning MVP for, for you? I mean, it's got to be a quarterback. It's got to be Mahomes. It's got to be a Burrow. It's got to be. I don't it's got to be a, a, a type of position where you can't phase out of the game. I mean, yeah, they control the major parts of the game. They have the ball in their hand pretty much every play they're on offense. I mean, to me, to uh, me, it's always going to be a quarterback award unless there's something astronomically fucking amazing done in the year. Kind of like what Adrian Peterson did. Um, Don't get me wrong. Jefferson definitely had the argument going this year, but this game kind of made me fizzle out completely on it. So question, if he goes off for 250 yards, and goes over the 2,000-yard mark for the year in his last game of the season. Are you still saying this? I mean, it's going to be an amazing record. Um, I'm glad he accomplished it. I mean, he had extra games, so I'm already a little, to me, that one's so, a, there's an asterisk by it already. So, to me, my answer doesn't change. I don't think he wins MVP. Hmm. I agree with you. I don't think he will win MVP. I don't think wide receiver will, but I do – have a problem with you saying that you could just scheme a wide receiver out of the game because you could also do that with a quarterback too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, for I mean, the reason why he's not going to win MVP. Yeah, I think they did that in a way with Kirk Cousins. If you looked at Kirk Cousins' game, was not great last weekend. It's flustered. Yeah, it's flustered all game. But again, like whenever you run a five-man box more than half the game, almost three quarters of the game, you should be able to get that O line going. Dalvin Cook should have been fed carries, but Dalvin Cook was going absolutely nowhere. Like these I mean, are times when yeah. I mean, if you scheme a certain player on the game, that is saying that player is so valuable. He's the most valuable player on that team that you have to escort three of your eleven players on his side on a three by one set. I mean, you are valuable. I mean, that that is kind of the definition. It's not a testament of can the Vikings still be good without him. That's not identifying the most valuable player. That's very true. I mean, thinking about it, look at it in basketball's terms. You know, if a if a guy's drawing double teams and triple teams every time, a.k.a. LeBron in, say, 2008, does that mean he's not the most valuable player because he's going to be schemed out of the game? I don't think so. He's going to there's he's going to have two other guys open on the court. So he's just going to hit them and they're going to they're going to make plays for the team because he's so valuable. He's drawing that much attention. I think it's kind of the same thing with football. But again, it's hard to quantify that. Because right, right now, at the point in the NFL, we care about stats. And that's not a statistic you can truly measure is the impact of somebody's game according to a scheme. Right. Yeah, that's something you got to watch film for. And I don't think everybody in the, um, in the selection committee is watching every game. 
So that's part of the problem in itself, but neither here nor there. On to the Bucks versus Panthers game. This was a great game to watch if you're a Bucks fan. Um, I honestly do not know what changed with Tom Brady and Mike Evans, but they look like they suddenly rekindled their connection on Sunday. I think they had some beef going into the game, and they said, look, for the better of the team, let's just squash it right now and let's win this game. And that's exactly what they did. They pro- that proved to be the spark the Bucks needed to carry them to a win over the Panthers. And surprisingly enough, at 8-8, eight and eight, they have clinched the NFC South. Crazy. Yeah, no, these... I feel like these were throws that Tom has been trying to hit all season, but he just always felt one foot too far or just laying it back and wasn't able to get the ball. Like the chemistry seemed like it wasn't there for the first time all season. The chemistry between him and Mike was actually there. I mean, look at he hauled in three touchdowns. Listen to the yardage on these three tutties, 63, 57 and 30. Hmm. Yeah, and they, they looked beautiful. Everyone was in stride. I, I I think Mike Evans was just running a straight line after he caught it to the end zone every single time. It was perfect. It was beautiful to watch. One of the biggest moves I thought what kind of held this defense back because, I mean, if you watched the game from the first quarter over, you were like, oh, my goodness, are the Panthers just going to run away with this and make a mockery of the Bucks? But on to that second half, whatever they decided at halftime to start switching around – they matched up Sean Murphy bunting with DJ Moore for the entire second half. And this he was, was an, eating. I, yeah, he, he was. He was 91.9 coverage grade. He allowed one catch for 14 yards and an interception. Jeez. That was That's the whole crazy. game. And Once he, he switched look, over to DJ Moore, played. yeah, he, he absolutely obsoleted a major component of that offense. Like, we're going to talk about Jair and his 80.6 percentage um, grade against Justin Jefferson. That's great. But man, like, there's a lot of DBs right out here putting on a show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy because he was looked at as the weak link earlier in the season, uh, Murphy Bunting, and then he shuts down the number one receiver to help send us to the playoffs, which DJ Moore was eating before that. So, yeah, very impressive performance by the Bucks all around, and it looks like they're they're hitting their stride at the, at the right time because playoffs are right around the corner. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm still not used to having Tom Brady on the team. Every time they get in one of those late-game situations, I just have that same nightmare of when Winston was the quarterback. I was like, oh, it's going to be a pick six. I already know it. <laughs> it happened so many times back then, it was laughable. It was like like I stopped watching the game if they were down seven and it was a comeback when you usually want to watch football games. I wouldn't watch them. Like, wh- like what am I watching it for? Because it was literally day in and day out the same thing. It was, it was laughable. But, yeah, it's nice having Brady. <laughs> I will say with Jameis, though, boy, you were on for a show. You didn't know quarter to quarter if you were getting three touchdowns or four interceptions, man. It was fun to watch. It it was fun to watch. The bulk of every game, but the end, just turn that shit off. (laughs) Watch the first three quarters because the fourth isn't going to be pretty. Hopefully Derek Carr can finish for us next year as well. Nah, I like that prediction. I I think that could happen. Be at the Colts. I, I I I think he goes to the Colts. I think the Colts are at a point right now where they've been criticized too much for bringing in mediocre quarterbacks that are starting to get older in age because that's all they've done for the past, what, four or five years since Andrew Luck's been gone. And at this point, I think they have to take a stand and start bringing in some younger guys or really beef up and put some deals out there. It all depends on what Jim Irsay wants to do. I heard they're tanking for Caleb Williams next year, but I don't know. I mean, I also wouldn't put Derek Carr in the same category as – how old Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan were. I think he's still got plenty of good years ahead of him. 
Oh, absolutely. But yeah, understanding what that offense has been through, what that fan base has seen, like I think they're so far anti one side that they're going to miss Derek Carr in the process. Dang, is it like the U.S. government? Sneezy. <laughs> All right, but enough about that. We'll go into hypotheticals in the offseason. Um, Scotty, did you want to take this over to do a little uh, mock draft for us? Yeah, so we're going to do a uh, top four draft of wide receivers. Are we doing current or all-time? My vote is current. Okay, so I've already randomized the list, as you guys can see. Number one pick is James, and I'll go to me, then Noah, then Dalton. Sorry, Dalton. Shit. That's this okay. Is it a snake draft? Yeah, snake draft. Okay. Dang, I know this is going to be crazy because I was just counting them out of MVP, but you still got to go Justin Jefferson. It's not one. <laughs> <laughs> he is the best in the league right now. It's pretty much hands down. All right, I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. Okay, oh, very safe option. <laughs> I'm going to go A.J. Brown. Really? Yeah, I really like A.J. Brown. Wow, so many players still on this list. Um, in no particular order, I'll take Stefan Diggs and Cooper Cup. Those are both great picks. I can't argue against that. No. All right, so it's back on me. Let me go. This is tough. But just because he's a couple of years younger, I'm going to go Jamar Chase. Man, we're leaving one key player out of this right now. I'm looking at him right now. I know who it is. Vontae Adams. Yes, there it is. Mm. All right, well, there goes the top eight of great ones. Y'all keeping track of yours, right? I kind of lost track. Yeah, I got it. So I'm going to take a little wild card here at the end of the second. I'm going to go Debo just because of the versatility. Mm, that was a great pick. I like Debo. I was going to go Debo soon, too. It was good. You get one more pick, James. And then I might show some recency uh, bias, but I'm still taking Mike Evans to get the size factor in there. Most consistent player. Yeah, I like it. Nine nine years in a row, 1,000 yards. Has uh, DK Metcalf been picked? He has not. It's... DK Metcalf will be my third. All right, all right. Let me go with... This year, he hasn't been all that, but I still have to do it. I feel like it's disrespectful to keep him on the board any longer. I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's made some amazing plays this year that I didn't think were possible. Yeah, he just he's stats-wise. Yeah, whenever you're QB to QB with a horrible offensive scheme, like it, you can only do so much. For my third round, give me C.D. Lamb. Let's get some young in the Great pick. Great pick. For my final pick, Keenan Allen, I think his skills are some of the most underrated in the game. It's route runners. He's I mean, huge, and his hands are godly. Damn, there's still some dogs on the board. I mean, we can extend this to a fifth round by all means. Let's do this five rounds. Y'all good with that? I'm in. Yeah. All right, so that was your two. Now it's back to me, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go... Amon Ross St. Brown. I like that. Great one. Are we counting just wide receivers or just uh, pass catchers in general? Dude, you can't throw Kelsey in this shit shit. Fucker. 
Um, I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. That was my second. Yeah, that was going to be my next pick. Yeah, that's a great pick. I love that one. Yeah. Back to me. Yep. I'm going to go. Got Justin Jefferson, best all around. Got some size with Mike Evans. I need a little speed. I'm going to go Jalen Waddle. Great one. Great pick. Back to you, James. Oh, shit. Double up. Five, four, (laughs) three, two. Two and a half. I'll go T. Higgins. Good pick. Uh, Who's up? Me? Yep. DJ Moore. Good pick. There's no bad picks on this board. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's, it's at the point where you take any of the top 30 guys and you're sitting pretty. Let me go with Chris Godwin. Ah, stole it right from under my feet, you slut. <laughs> there's, there's another great one on the board. I think, I think we're thinking alike here. Um... Now, there's a lot of guys that I want to throw out here because I got the final pick. I mean, Deontay Johnson, the Steelers, great. Hunter Renfro and the Raiders, tremendous. Um, but I'm going to double up on this Chargers team. Give me yes. Mike Williams. Yeah, I think we he is exceptional. Alike. Let's go. I'm so glad he's off the board. I felt so bad not picking him. He's a dog. Yeah, I was I was between Mike Williams and Chris Godwin going in that end of the two number two guys that could easily be a number one on any other team. Yeah, exactly. Good picks. So, everybody want to name off their team? Start with number one. James, who do you got? Yeah, I got Justin Jefferson's, Debo, uh, Mike Evans, Waddle, and T. Higgins. Nice, nice. Who do you got, Scotty? Yeah, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore. That's a nasty lineup. That's fast. Um, We got, for me, I got A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, DeAndre Hopkins, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Chris Godwin. Dog, who do you got? I'm not going to lie. I might kill him with just pure size. After my first two, it ain't nothing but six plus. So I got Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams. I'm not going to lie, bro. Mike Williams against 60% of the DBs in the league is nasty. Nasty. Anybody under six foot guarding Mike Williams, good luck. But I think that'll do it for the um, top four, top five receiver draft. And uh, appreciate it, Scotty, for running that one. Of course. And then now we will be moving on to the quick recap of the 16-leg parlay this week. Um, I actually forgot to put the bet in this week. In all honesty, thank goodness none of us hit. James, it looks like you're going to walk away with another win this week um, with Dalton and myself tying for second. Scotty, by default, you come in last since you didn't get all your picks in in time. But it was it was a good week. Everything kind of went close to how we were thinking it was going to go, but there were a few games that just threw us off. James took it this week. Me and Dalt were right on his butt, one game behind him. But, James, you've won every single week so far, so congrats. It looks like you're racking up a little pot over there. Consistency is key, and uh, I'm just showing that week in, week out. So just keep following my lead, and I'll, uh, I'll get one of these one week. Bro, did you yeah. just hit us with a victory speech? first off i want to thank god yeah first and foremost (laughs) i just want to say you guys suck like damn bro you didn't have to (laughs) i mean numbers speak for itself but 
Hey, they have been speaking for themselves with you. Um, but honestly, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Unless anybody else has anything good for the group. Are we touching on Georgia TCU next time? Yep, that's going to be on tomorrow's podcast. Okay. Last thing I want to add in, we didn't talk about it. Um, the Niners-Raiders game, incredible watch if you had a chance to get it. Uh, Christian McCaffrey went off. Brock Purdy shows he's slightly human. Um, and for a second, we all thought, can Russell Wilson win? <laughs> for a second, we did. He did score a few touchdowns, and he's getting a little momentum going in the next year. So that that's good to see if you're a Denver fan. Man, I, I, I know we talked about the odds. What was that, Scotty? Are there any left out there? I mean, all I, three of them. I guess I would call myself a Denver fan because I live here right now. But no, you're a Tampa fan. Yeah, it's by default. It's Denver by default. But yeah, I'm definitely a Tampa fan. You're right. You're right. You don't see me uh, joining the Bears bandwagon. True, but like if they won the Super Bowl, you wouldn't be mad about it. Yes, I would be. I'd be. Furious. I'd be furious. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be the, I wouldn't leave my apartment for. A hey, year. listen. If you are listening to this and you're a Chicago fan, there is refuge in Tampa Bay. There is truly. We take everybody who's into bad sports. Like I, I get it. I know what you come from. I got you. Tampa Bay, baby. Yeah, no. Tampa. Tampa's looking good. We need to get those Lightning to step their game up so we can hit another triple crown around there. Rays will never. Not maybe one, Maybe eventually they'll come around, but they'll need, need some new. They'll need some new Montreal, ownership. Yeah. We'll need. We'll need new ownership before they step their game up at all. Anyways, that's going to do it for the podcast today. But I did want to send us out with a moment of silence for Bill Safety. Damar Hamlin had a traumatic injury. Um, they're covering it on every news station, so I don't want to cover it too much. But we'll end it with a moment of silence. And uh, until next time, top of the tailgate. That's going to wrap up this episode of Top of the Tailgate podcast. As always, thanks for listening and see you next time.